This podcast is brought to you by Mirchi, the new way to find South Asian friends and companions. Download the Mirchi app now. More information at mirchiapp.com. Hi, Karma fam. Hello. Welcome to the relaunch of Family Karma Cast. Family Coming to Karma you Cast. <laughs> virtually? I guess we're both virtual right now. Yeah, everything is virtual during COVID-19. Everything. Okay. Everything. So we haven't basically been in the same room. Oh, I'm I'm Deanna. Oh, and I'm Indra. So we're back. We're back. <laughs> we're back. Relaunch. Relaunch, relaunch and like we have been really excited to hear about how excited so many of you are about our kind of new focus on South Asian American content and Deanna and I were talking earlier today and we're like we're doing this uh recap of Bend It Like Beckham and we're like wait a minute this is British not American we realize okay <laughs> listen but there has to be some forgiveness factor with things we choose, especially like I think with Bend It Like Beckham. It was so big so, in the U.S. It, it was so big and it was near and dear to both of our hearts. It like, was. We both saw it in different places. I saw it in the U.K. Yeah, and I saw it here in Boulder when I was 17. And Where was I, it playing? Okay, so that's an interesting thing about this movie is that it was playing at the Crossroads Theater. You didn't live in Boulder then, so you don't remember it. Mm-mm. But okay, so this theater was where the Barnes & Noble is now. And oh, interesting. it was an indie theater. So this was an indie movie. Do you remember that? Yes. I think. Well, so I since I saw it in London, it was a mainstream movie there. Yeah, because it was like, so that's the thing. It came out in 2002 in London and in the UK. And then it was released a year later in 2003 in the US. So because I distinctly remember going to see it with my mom at this theater the summer before I went to college and I went to college in 2003. So would you mind if I sprinkle some facts about the movie? I would not this? mind. I'm, I'm going to just mind. <laughs> just say this first facts. Ready? OK. This was the first Western film allowed to be shown in North Korea. <gasps> Boom. What? what? That is insane. Like, <laughs> like this is. OK. This do is we think historic... it's because it was about Asians broadly? Who like this? Like <laughs> what? I I don't even know. So okay, so let's talk about okay. So you saw it at Crossroads Theater, and how old you were going into college, right? I was going into college. This is me. This is me at age seventeen. So I was seventeen when I went to college because I skipped the fifth grade, which is so nerdy. So nerdy. Excuse me. Did everyone hear that? We have a brain on our podcast. No, but I, what I want to say about that is like, that's kind of just like a microcosm for like who I was. I was like a nerd in in uh, middle school and high school. And like, you know, I had lots of friends and things. And I, I wasn't like a total outcast or anything, but I definitely was like into academics. I had like, like you see in the movie, like dating was off the table for me. Like, no. And and on top of that, like even if I wanted to date in secret, like no one was interested in me or at least I didn't think they were. So I was like, but I was, of course, boy crazy because I was like a teenager. Worse. Worse. <laughs> and I'm like getting ready to go to college. And like I've never seen any media that wasn't about like pretty white girls. And so like I go to see this movie with my mom and like I'm watching the movie and this like gorgeous guy is on the screen. Of course, he's white. And I'm like, of course, he's going to hook up with Kira Knightley. And it's going to like that whole thing is going to be about them. And then, like, he hooks up with the Indian girl, and I fucking lost my mind. Did your mom <laughs> say anything like, at the end of the film? My, so, like, what I remember was my mom and I definitely left the movie theater with, like, huge smiles on our faces because it's such a fun movie. And um, I think, like, we didn't really talk about the, like, 
sex and relationship parts about it, but we did talk about how it was fun to see like a westernized version of kind of like our experience as like my mom being an immigrant who came from India and then me being like uh, the first generation Indian American. So that was kind of like the scene for me was like, this was such a huge deal for me actually in my life seeing this movie. It actually like gave me a lot of confidence to see it going into college. Like, yeah, like I can date people. They don't have to be Indian. They don't have to be like, a certain way like I can like date a hot white guy (laughs) which is kind of fucked up if you think about it well and then it's like I think like we should we'll also address like what we thought back then of him and what we think now oh so much to say about John I didn't realize it was Jonathan oh my god no idea you didn't know it was him I I was like when he came on I was like oh my god it's Jonathan Reese Myers yeah, and this was his breakout role, kind of. I know, too. I know. So what? What was like? Set the scene for when you saw it. Okay, so <laughs> mine is very different. I'm going to be okay. totally honest, <laughs> as it should be, right? Like. I was studying abroad uh, with my college or my university, um, and I was living in London, and I was broke all the time um Mm -hmm. because those that are listening that uh like maybe you went to NYU there's like a lot of super rich kids that go to Mm -hmm. that school and so it's like all the like kids just had so much money to blow in London and I think I noticed it a lot more there because I went into this program with like no friends like none of my friends were in the program and so basically it like rained the whole time. Um, and I was <laughs> supposed to, a, a funny story, I was supposed to be in Argentina for that semester, but that was the year that the Argentinian government, government it was like in 2001, 2002, and it fell. Oh, and, um, okay. Yeah. So NYU had to close the school and they were like, oh, you can either go back to New York, which my apartment was three blocks down or four blocks down from uh, the World Trade Center, which just fell, mm. or or you can they have space for you in London. So I went to London, and I had huge depression issues there. I'm sure mm-hmm. you can imagine, just like post-9-11. Mm-hmm. And so basically what I would do is I would get high, and <laughs> I would <laughs> walk into whatever movie was playing down the street. <laughs> And that's so you how like saw... didn't even know what it was. No. And that's how I saw Britney Spears Crossroads and <laughs> Bend It Like Beckham. <laughs> that is so hilarious. I feel I like love it that. pales in comparison to like your <laughs> monumental. And so I was telling Indra before uh, I watched this the second time, I was like, I do not remember shit from this movie. Like, nothing. Oh, and I'm so, so jealous. Like, so this was, like, brand new It was, for like, you. a whole... Because I might have taken a nap in the sense I was so high, like... And- <laughs> So you and left the theater with, like, I don't even know what I just saw. I was just, like, I'm going to get a shawarma because I lived in a district where it was just, like, there were shawarmas everywhere. And then oh, I'm going to take yum. a nap, maybe a second nap of the day, and, like, eat my feelings because I was so depressed. Okay. So we so no real impressions from that time because there was a lot of other stuff going on. There was – I think it was just, like, I was so dealing with, like, the sea of emotions. And I have yeah. to say that, like, movies have always been, for me, like, an escape from, like, everyday life, like, all of you. Mm-hmm. And um, I do want to say that I kind of thank this film and, like, Britney Spears' Crossroads and the other films I saw <laughs> because it was such an escape <laughs> Yeah, PTSD 9-11 stuff and just being in cloudy London when I was supposed to be it was summer in Argentina and I was so just down and so like if you think about it it did make a huge impression on me because it was a way to escape totally should be and like didn't you I kind of felt that way watching it this time because we're in 
yet again like a very traumatic situation like this ongoing trauma I think like that's the thing I would recommend this yeah if you haven't watched it recently or never like Patrick was saying he watched it with me Patrick is my partner he was like this movie like really holds up he he, he saw it it initially too he saw it initially, but he like hadn't seen it in a long time, and didn't and really I wonder how Patrick because Patrick was on the East Coast, so it's like how did he see it? That's a good question. I didn't. You I know what I he mean? Was, he was in college when it came out, so but he said he thinks he saw it in Vermont in the small town that he's from at the um, local like indie theater that they have there. So I think it was like the first thing that struck me from the movie, other than I've had Kira Knightley's haircut, um, <laughs> which is like the short, the short, and then it's like the large, like tiger stripes. Did you like use had, like that kind of hair clip that she was wearing? No, because time? that was in 2002 and I had that haircut. So in 2002, I was 21 mm-hmm. and I had that haircut when I was 17. Like it just okay. didn't go out of style, you know, that mm-hmm. 90s kind of. Mm-hmm. And isn't she so cute? She's adorable. And like, I remember thinking like that she was like, so incredibly gorgeous in that movie and I remember thinking even then that like the Indian girl is not as pretty she's like this that and the other and like I'm watching it now and I'm like oh no uh, she's the, the actress's name Parminder Nagra I'm like she's way she's prettier than Kira Knightley yeah <laughs> like, her, do you pronounce her name Parminder Parminder Nagra and so like I did some research on IMDb to just like see what she's been up to since then because it's been almost 20 years and so she was on ER for a long time so I think that was like one of her big things after Bend It Like Beckham was she was on ER and like she got married to someone who I think was associated with the show and like Maura Tierney like married them and like the whole cast of ER was them she so she had a kid with that guy and then they divorced and like she has she's been in some things but she like hasn't done a lot since then but like I think she was like 25 when she did this film yeah so her and she's like in her 40s now and so is Jonathan Rhys Myers and Kira Knightley is probably in her 40s now too no there was a 10 year age gap between Oh shit. Kira and Parminder. So how old is Kira Knightley now? Is she like So 39? she's like a little younger than me. So I'm 39. I think she's like 38. Okay. Or so maybe that, maybe she's right. like 36. Who knows? I thought it was like really well cast though. Like I thought I, so too. I thought that and not just those three people, but then all the like Indian people. So her sister is Archie Punjabi. Which I don't know. Did you watch the show The Good Wife? No. So that show, hopefully a lot of people out there have watched it. It's a really excellent show, actually. That's what everyone says about that show. For regular like network TV, it's really good. And Kalinda is Archie Punjabi's um, character. And you can tell like at the start of the show, she was just going to be kind of like a side character. But then she becomes this like badass like PI that they rely on all the time and she has like a very distinctive personality and like I just always loved her obviously because she's like and she has an English accent in The Good Wife she does not um I don't actually maybe she does I can't remember but the thing so funny it was one of the like really cool things though was seeing her on like this legal drama and like her kind of you can see that like the show producers were like oh she's just going to be a side role and then she becomes like a main character because people loved her so much and I feel like her South Asian identity like I don't know I just thought it was really cool I always really loved that she was a big part of that show so it was fun to see her back in this role acting like kind of a bimbo (laughs) Um, right and I think it was interesting because you have Jasminda or Jess is kind of you know the rebellious um, mm -hmm. rebelling a little bit against Indian culture and then I forget her sister's name but her sister is kind of following through yeah pinky right pinky that's right yeah that's like a very typical indian is it nickname 
pinky is, what's or dimple or simple or pimple. <laughs> it's not short for anything. Like it's just like this weird common nickname that people use in India. I can't really explain a, it. Did you have No, a, I um, didn't. I had plenty of nicknames, but not like those stereotypical Indian ones. This So is it but, like calling someone sweetie? Kind of. Like I have a relative who goes by sweetie, actually. Her real really? name is not sweetie, but that's what everyone calls her. Well, it's funny that you should say Dimple because, um, you know, I read that book, um, Dim- When Dimple Met Rishni. And yes. I thought Dimp- they, I never got that that was her nickname. Yeah, she was such a like great character and I feel like it was really nice to see. I just thought that like the relationships that they showed like of the Indian family it was really well done in terms of like here is this Indian family kind of dealing with the stuff and happens in their family and then there's these daughters who are growing up in like a westernized society. And they're like keeping secrets from their parents and they're like helping each other out and stuff like that. But they're also like battling with trying to stay true to their family traditions. And I think that like the only reason that it was done so well is because the director was Punjabi and Indian herself. So Gurinder Chada is like she was telling the story of her own life, suppose, you know, presumably or at least aspects of it. And so I think that's why it was like done so well and why it really resonated with me as someone who had a similar experience growing up. And um, I'll just drop another fact. So um, the budget for the film was six million and it made over um, 76 million worldwide. Wow. Good for them. Slow clap for them. them. (laughs) Especially I feel like, um, you know, since the movie came out almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And we're talking about having, um, you know, more diverse um, writers in the room and Mm -hmm. actors and voices in the culture. I feel like this was just really progressive for the time. It was. And the fact that it was like an indie release and it wasn't like in mainstream theaters, like... It just shows that we've, I think now it would absolutely just be released in a regular theater, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like we have progressed and also, yeah, this was like kind of a big deal for the time to have like an Indian director, a a very small budget for a film um, and then have it do so well. Um, And like. I just, oh my gosh. Okay, so should we get into some of the specifics of like what happened? Of course, because I need um, to talk about Jonathan Reese Myers. Oh and, my god! And I need to talk about bootcut jeans. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, okay, Jonathan Reese Myers. I want to hear from other like I people, I, other South Asian Americans who watched the show, who watched the movie. I don't care how old were you were. Maybe you were my age. Maybe you were younger. Maybe you're older. Like, did you see him and think in 2003, like he is the hottest man alive? Because that is what I thought. <laughs> but but like I don't even remember him kind of clicking, but now that I watch it, he looks like a skeleton with <laughs> like green eyes. Well, that's kind of his vibe, the like creepy sort of like hollow vampire He's a fucking downer. <laughs> he sucks. I my last line in my notes is like he sucks. Oh, but I thought he was so hot. I like was like, literally, I remember thinking that is my dream guy. Like, I want to live this story and be with that guy. He's so fucking hot. He brings up his like father or family all the time. And it just feels like this is what (laughs) it feels like. He like needs a woman to save him. And listen, woman. We and even men, we have all been there. We have all oh. tried to save the Jonathan Reese Myers <laughs> of Bendit like Beckham. And I was like, do not stay with this guy because he just wants you to be attached to him and fix uh, his problems. And girl, that's you got so funny. So much going for yourself. Well, I think, okay, I think that the reason they kept bringing that up was to illustrate this point of like, he fell out with his father because of all of this pressure 
and it was he was putting on him to be a certain way and then they were kind of juxtaposing that with Jess having the same pressure from her family but that she wasn't willing to just cut them off the way that he was willing to cut his dad off and and he makes a comment towards the end like it's really wonderful how you like are so committed to your family that you wouldn't like leave them even though you know, they don't stand for the things you stand for necessarily and stuff like that. And I think that that was like trying to send this message of like South Asians do kind of have I I definitely feel this in my family, like this, this very intense loyalty to your family, even if you realize that like stuff that they're doing is completely fucked up and you don't agree with them at all. It's like family is big in that way of like, you don't just write them off. And I'm not saying that like white people do that or whatever. I'm just, I think that that's like just something that is a hallmark of like South Asian families. And I think something like that, it really illustrated of something that I learned about Indian culture as a white person is Mm -hmm. it's not even just the tie to the parents. It's the tie to the The whole community, the whole community. And I think that was really interested and especially, um, when they thought that Jess was making out with Jules and I <laughs> yeah. was cracking up. And then did you notice that 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 um the woman, the fiance's mother who rats them out or makes uh-huh, up the lie uh-huh. that they're hooking up. So uh, the that dad kept on motorboating um <laughs> mom what at the wedding yeah but even before that oh like, my they were god dancing around the living room and the dad's just like picking her up and motorboating <laughs> her chest um i did not notice that but i'm gonna go oh, back yeah. and watch he definitely because... motorboats her at least twice. <laughs> see these are the details that we need like i know so that was yeah i mean that is that's true though like there is this whole like south asian community that you're a part of and i think the pressure is really large because it's it's not just your family it's like how you'll be perceived by everyone it's not even how you'll be perceived it's how your parents will be perceived and you don't want to disappoint them or make them feel bad or whatever it's like there's a lot of different expectations that like i definitely felt as like a first generation indian american that like I was constantly fighting this battle between like pleasing my parents and doing things the way that they wanted me to and trying to like live my life as like an American person who didn't grow up in India like they did. So I really need to hear what you think of like, do you think Jonathan Reese Myers is hot now? (laughs) Um, Okay, so I think a part of that, like, initial intense fire for him will, like, never go away. Of course. But I have to say, watching it now, I was, like, a little confused. (laughs) I was, like... (laughs) I didn't think you were going to use that I was, like, Jess is, like, 20 billion times more gorgeous than I remember her being. And Jonathan Rhys-Meyers is, like... It wasn't just like the way he looked. It was like his mannerisms and just like the, something... his general vibe. <laughs> is, is it like his acting or is it It's just like <laughs> he kind of seemed like he was like either really intense or like Eeyore like going back to a stick hut. But that's you know his I mean? thing. So like I think I'm affected by the fact that so one of the biggest things I think he's done since then was he was he played Henry the eighth in the Tudors which is which was like this Showtime show or AMC or something, which was like four seasons all about Henry VIII. And like, first of all, I love period pieces, like nothing else. And then he was in it and I just was like so in love with him. So I was really into it. And in that role, he's like particularly maniacal and like, he always like his, his signature thing, if you like Google pictures of him is like, with his eyes really wide open and like a puckered mouth, like looking really intense at you. And he does that a lot in Bend It Like Beckham, right? Yeah, he does a lot. Like, I think he is very striking looking, but... He um, is, but it's I like... I think he's gotten better with age. You know how certain people 
are better looking with age. I think he is definitely one of them. And wasn't he caught with cocaine or something like on a flight? He had some bad years. He definitely like he's sober now. But yes, he had a lot of like addiction issues. And I was looking into him. I was reading about him after we watched it this time. And he he's now married to a woman. I can't remember what her name is, but they have a beautiful son and he takes his wife and son with him on the red carpet pretty much everywhere he goes. It looks like, and he looks, he looks a lot better now. Like he seems to have like kind of settled into like a more normal character. It seems I, I think fame kind of like got the better of him for many years. And, you can just like look at pictures of him and kind of see it. You don't even need to like know anything about him. You can just like look at date stamped pictures and be like, whoa, what's yeah, going yeah. on? Yeah. And um, <laughs> again, I think he's, I think he's very attractive now. And another thing I noticed about the film, I was like, England has never looked sunnier than it has. I know. Bended, like, I was like, I was, yeah, I, that, that was a lie. <laughs> yeah, it's like every day was sunny, um, you know. Well, I think they just needed to have that positive vibe in the movie. And you know what? It worked. It, it worked. Totally I worked. mean, I wanted to go to lit, play soccer in London. Um, I so what did you think of the, like, the Indian guys that she played soccer with? Like, one of them was supposed to be, like, super hunky. Right. The and guy, I thought that the guy with the, really? t- uh, like, arm tattoo. Yeah. What did you think of him? I loved it. And I loved how it was, like, were there three guys other than Tony? There were, like, three or four guys. It just kind yeah, of reminded me of, like, a Shakespeare play where they have the chorus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, I don't know, maybe I'm getting like too, thinking about it too much. No, that's who they were. Yeah. yeah and they I, were and so like, I, like really appreciated that. And I think another thing we should really talk about what made it so, um, so far ahead of its time is Tony um, came out as gay. Yes. I totally for, didn't remember any of that too. I didn't remember him at all. So Jess has a best friend who is... We find out he's a gay Indian young man, and but he obviously hasn't come out to anyone, and Jess doesn't know, and everyone is always talking about how like him and Jess would make a great match, and she's clearly not into him. He's obviously not into her, but like it's so funny how he comes out to her, too, because she's like you know, bend it like Beckham, like Beckham is so great. And like, he's like so fit and whatever. And he's like, yeah, I really like Beckham. And she's like, yeah, I know everyone does. And he's like, no, I really like Beckham. (laughs) And she's like, oh. (laughs) And like, you can't tell me that she, like, it's, it's interesting how they didn't touch upon her attraction to Beckham because she, like the big picture is a giant picture of his face. And let me just say that, like, I thought that was really interesting. The decor in Jess's room versus um, Jules's room. Did you notice that? Yeah, like Jules had the Mia Hamm stuff. Yeah, she had, like, all the, like, female soccer players. And then Jess had, like, Beckham. And you, you just know, like, they never explicitly said it, but I know that she was in love with him. And I also saw it as like she doesn't have the opportunity to kind of figure out what's going on in America because not that she's um, she's kind of walled in by her culture in the sense of like, you know, Jules probably can go and watch games whenever she wants and her dad's involved with her uh, soccer career, I'll call it. And I think the hard thing was is like I loved the mom up until (laughs) – Her anti-LGBTQ comments. Oh, the the Jules, Jules's mom. Yeah, that was interesting to me too, because that was a choice that the director made. You know, oh, is that what it says? Oh, no, well, no. I mean, I'm just like speculating. Like they kind of like she didn't have to put that in the movie. You know, she didn't. It was a choice, and I think it's like not. Listen, it's terrible, but I don't think it was. I'm going to give the director a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah, like she thought it would be comedic relief, but it doesn't age well at all. And I do think that maybe maybe there is an element there of trying to show that like 
hey, look at how backwards things are for the LGBT community, not just in the Indian community, but amongst like white people as well. Like, right. That's a this really is a point. this is a community that's being oppressed, like across all boundaries. It's not just like the Indian community. So maybe that was part of it. I mean, Jules's mom is such a caricature. And like I was Patrick and I were talking about it afterwards. And I was saying, you know, that like. It really was like the first movie that I had ever seen where the person being made fun of was the was the white person. And it wasn't oh, really. Yeah. Because like think about all the other representations of Indians leading up to this. Right. It was basically right. like a poo on the Simpsons. And right. it was just making fun of him for having an accent and for like owning a quickie mart, you know, and in this movie front and center were the immigrants and the person who was acting a fool was the white person. And I, I just thought that that was like a really great um, thing to finally see. Like it, honestly, I think it was one of the first times I had ever seen like Indian people depicted like that on a Western screen. And, and it like really changed things for me. Like, can you think like, can you believe, imagine just like going no, through I life couldn't. seeing no your community like treated that way in media no and basically. I think it, that's why like this podcast is super important and I just kind of want to plug it because it's like maybe you are Indian American or Indian whatever listening or to South it, Asian American think, or whatever yeah right but I think we you know we need to share like a podcast like this because these experiences aren't talked about enough. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty old and, you know, it's like I'm hearing this. I think you've told me it before, but basically for the first time. And that's why it's important to. And um, I'm kind of like just realizing these things for the first time because it's like it's like a frog in a boiling pot of water or whatever, like just slowly you're just like. Right. You just kind of are, it's what you grow up with. You kind of accept it. And then at some point you realize like, hey, that was like really fucked up. <laughs> you <was>. know? Yeah. <laughs> and like, no wonder things felt kind of weird or hard or, you know, whatever. So I'm not trying to like throw myself a pity party, but. No. Do you remember the first Indian man, woman that you were attracted to? Whether it's. Well, that's a really interesting thing. And Patrick and I were joking about it, too. So Patrick, my partner, is, like, Irish by heritage on both sides. And I was like, maybe I got into you because you're, like, Irish, like Jonathan (laughs) 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 Rhys-Meyers. But, like, honestly, this is another thing that's been really weird my whole life. It's, like, I've never really been that attracted to South Asian men. And I've never dated anyone that's South Asian. No. And I think it's because like I have two brothers and right. every time I see th- South Asian men, like because I grew up in such a white place, I just kind of equate them with like family. <laughs> like I think that must be what it is. I don't know what it is. I definitely like like, OK, there are some like very hot Bollywood actors. Yes, like I think course. my favorite is um, Amir Khan. He's He's really no. hot. He's he's old now, but he's like back in the day. Oh, I'd he love was to like, watch him. Um, we should definitely watch something like him. I want to hear from other people. Like Shah Rukh Khan, my cousin in India, was like obsessed with him. She had posters on her wall. But like, did you everywhere. have, was there anyone like Priyanka? I mean, I know Priyanka is like kind of one of a kind, but was there anyone like that that you would see pictures of and just be like, oh my gosh? Well, I think it's different for men than women, right? I I feel right. like Indian beauty standards for women, like I th- there's this like for better or worse like exoticism of Indian women where like right. Like remember that episode of Southern Charm where Patricia yes. is like I think that Indian people are the most beautiful people on That's Earth. what she's I do not oh, but I remember Cameron yeah, she meant to say it as like a compliment, but the way she said it was just so fucking racist. <laughs> it was just like exotifying. Ugh. It's the way um, like 
Western culture kind of digests and kind of shits out like Indian culture, no offense, but like mm-hmm. the take it or leave it. I'm just thinking of like when, you know, people wear bindis or whatever or yeah. like, mm-hmm. like like Indian, um, like in fashion when it in the 90s when it was like popular to like wear like a ton of bracelets and get into yoga and Madonna was doing yeah. her yeah. Like, kind of thing. And then it's like discarding it is... It's just so problematic looking back. The discarding part is the problem, right? I've been thinking a lot about like cultural appropriation and like when is it when is it cultural appropriation? And I think it's an interesting topic and I think that like if you decide to wear a bindi or you know wear Indian clothes or whatever or adopt a part of another culture that is not your own. I think if you really understand it and you really like value it in a deep way from a place of like really understanding it, then that's not cultural appropriation. But like you're saying, if you kind of just do it because, you know, it's like a fad and then you just discard it and you like never think about like the cultural implications of it or like, you know, what's behind this like fashion choice that I'm making. I think that's where it gets problematic. I don't, that's yeah, just what I I've been thinking. I think it's a tricky thing because especially with um, the thing that I never really thought about until the past couple of years is with dance too. Um, because I've been listening to a lot of this is kind of off track, but like Big Frida, who does like the uh, Louisiana New Orleans sissy bounce, and mm-hmm. I, uh, they are someone that you know I've just kind of followed their career, and I remember when I first saw them in concert, um, it must have been like ten years ago or something. It was outside; they were just kind of. Um, at like uh one of those like Brooklyn free festivals and it was like okay here's Big Freedom it was the first time I heard Sissy Bounce mm-hmm. and it was like the people in the crowd that knew what Sissy Bouncing was was were Sissy Bouncing and then um and then I went to a party and it was like everyone's like Sissy Bouncing and that was kind of the thing yeah and then it and then looking back and and I just like I listened to them so much on my running mix and I'm like but if I wanted to Sissy Bounce that's cultural appropriation. Yeah, it could be. I think there's a scenario where it couldn't be, though, if you were like, I am genuinely very interested in this art form. Right. And like, and if you were a serious dancer who was like, I want to learn this and I want to like learn it from someone who it is from their like culture and I want to understand it and things like that. Like, I think if you do the work like that, then it it doesn't have to be. Because, like, I think there's a danger in telling people, like, you cannot do these things because they're not your culture. I think that that is problematic, too, you know? Because how do right. we share things? I think things? it's interesting because just thinking of, like, Madonna when she kind of, you know, was – she was doing those – I don't even know what the motion is, but it's when you kind of touch – your pointer finger and your thumb and like is that I mean I'm totally honest is that a cultural I I don't think it is with her because she actually is really into like eastern religion like arguably she I mean definitely she knows more about those things than I do as someone who right is that culture you know like and that's the interesting thing is because like I think it costs to get all in okay I'm gonna make a huge blanket statement and then I'll probably (laughs) retract it okay to get all into a culture like that takes Mm -hmm. money it does it does yeah because it's like it takes time which like Mm -hmm. I don't mean to sound whatever but time is money right Mm -hmm. um and then and then it's kind of interesting because it's just like for like so Madonna does it right but then I so in Brooklyn, I worked at um, a ramen place, mm-hmm. and um, so so white men would come in, 
um, and and like talk Japanese to the waitresses. Obviously, I, I'm white, but but and it was totally like just talking to the Japanese waitresses after my peers. Mm. They were like, they are just you know, this is what they want. They're they're fetishizing us, and you know, this yeah. is their way of. Like it's very degrading kind of what they're doing, learning the language and hitting on us and, you know, and they were so aware. Do you feel like you've ever experienced that? Oh, my God. That happens to me almost daily in Boulder. Really? (laughs) Like, oh, my fucking God. Like, I think I talked about it. Like Eastern culture. Yeah. I I Oh, like people will they'll see me and. They'll be like, "Oh, you're Indian, and I'm interested in this." And I like That's so fucked. They'll up. ask me Who my name, that? and then like this guy at McGuckin's once. This is a hardware store in town here in Boulder. He he was he's just he just saw that I was Indian. He assumed that I was Indian. He asked me what my name was when I was buying like fucking dog what? food or something. So I tell him my name, and then he goes, "Do you know what your name means?" And like goes into this whole thing about what my name means. How did he He's know this that? Fucking washed up white guy. I'm just like, please stop. Like, please. You have just made 20 billion assumption- assumptions about me because of the color of my skin. Right. Like, literally. And like, I just came here to buy dog food. And I don't want to talk. Right. Like, you're not doing this to the white person that's going to be up here next right. to me. You know? Like, I think it's when people, they they feel like they have license to, like, point things out about you because of the way that you look. And that feels really bad, even if it's a compliment, you know. So I think that, I mean, so that's kind of getting off the whole cultural appropriation. Sorry, we sort of went on a tangent there. But I think it's relevant. No, but I think this all is all these. important and part of the conversation that, you know, we need to have on this podcast because... Yeah. And I think that we want to hear actually from all of you about what you oh, think. Oh, 100%. I want to hear the good, bad, and the really ugly. Like, I I really am interested because of people sharing their stories. Um, yes. And especially, I would just love to talk to, like, a, an expert, like, in... I know. I want to talk to someone who's, like, really thought about, like, cultural appropriation of, like, South Asians in Western media. I'm sure there's someone who's written a thesis about this somewhere. And it better not be someone. So if you know someone, tell us. That's not a white dude. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a white dude. But if they've done a PhD, like we can assume that they have really done their homework and they care. Actually, I would like to ask you something because I think there was a really important moment um, toward the end of the movie when mm-hmm. um, we see Jess get into a um, fight with another player on the opposite yes. team. And it's yes. because um, the player called her Packy, a Packy. which is... Which is vile. That's vile. Is it a degrading term for Indians? Yeah, I think it's something that is more prevalent in British culture. Um, right. There's a lot of racism against South Asians in the UK. Um, and so Paki is short for Pakistani. And there is a large Pakistani population in the UK. And so you know, if you call someone a Paki, it's a derogatory term for a brown person, basically. It's basically like the N-word for a brown person in the UK. Like, I, I've never heard that used in the States. Um, but obviously, they put that into the movie to make a big statement. And it's like, I remember yeah. in the theater when Jonathan Reese Myers goes, I understand I'm I know. Irish. I wrote that down I was like what I remember everyone in the theater laughing at that then and like I laughed about it again now and then Patrick and I were like do you think that like that was supposed to be serious or was was it supposed to be a joke like earnest I mean it's true like the British have fucked over the Irish like for generations like that's a true 
thing, but it's like right. But you're you're like this white, gorgeous sex symbol. I know. <laughs> and and he, the way he moves through the world and the way Jess moves through the world are two very different, different things. Very different things. I think I would love to t- ask the director and writer about this one thing I want to know if she meant it to be a joke or if she wanted it to be serious to like show that they were actually bonding I I just want to know because I just it it's so ridiculous it was so and and then did you notice like he is such a tough nut to crack in this so there's that Mm -hmm. there's the complex relationship with the father and then so so it goes through the whole thing the whole movie and Jules Kira Knightley's character is like oh I really there's going to be an American scout coming and I really yeah. want to play pro ball in the United States and so she's just kind of hyping it up in her head mm-hmm. and then like Jonathan Reese's Myers like after like he doesn't tell both of them that there's a scout in the audience or in the bleachers until after. I know. Like that does I, not Then they make didn't even explain sense. that. Like he didn't say like, oh, I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want you to be nervous or anything. He just like didn't tell them. And she's just like, <laughs> she's just like, and, and it's funny when you, you watch these movies and the character just accepts it, yeah. you know? And, and the whole audience is kind of like, just like shaking their heads. Just like, yeah. wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't know I just I don't know what to make of it he's a very interesting character I will say though I just I remember how like hot I was for him watching that movie he's very beautiful if you told me he was a male model like I would be like oh my god like I remember it seared into my brain the scene where he comes to the house to try and convince them to let Jess back on the team and right. he opens the door and they show him kind of like looking back at him and with like his intense blue eyes. And I was like, oh, swoon. <laughs> but like, it's interesting because you never see him enjoying himself through the whole movie. Well, like, OK. No- what about the club? What about the club? What, okay, a- what so did you club, think of his dance like, moves? <laughs> it's like an hour and a half movie and you get 10 minutes or like. Five minutes know, of him but, enjoying himself, but that's part of it. It's the dark, brooding Irishman, isn't it? I like know. that is just hot as anything. It is yeah. for me, anyway. That makes I, sense. Okay, that, one more it, thing hey. I want to say about this movie is how how incredible was the soundtrack to this movie? <gasps> oh my god, when the Mel C song came on, oh, I was like, my. "Is this Mel C?" Because Andrew was on <laughs> IMDb, and I was like, "This <laughs> is the shit." <laughs> Dude, there's so many good tracks and there's all oh these like gosh. South Asian American so mashups good. of these popular songs. It's so good. You like, can work out to this soundtrack you in absolutely 2020. Can. Get on your treadmill if you have one and watch this movie and you will have like the best run of your life. I need to <laughs> or put, put it in your like, headphones and oh like lift gosh. some weights like. I just want to say, like, can we, can we, should we have, like, should we say, like, I'm, I'm giving this one, I'm giving it an enthusiastic thumbs up. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. This 10 is out like of 10. Just, like, listen, life is so intense right now. If you just want to take a back seat and yes. just, like, enjoy yourself and feel like you're watching a movie without, like, huge emotional attachment meaning like it's not gonna have like big downs you know you're not gonna be like worried about like yeah yeah but it's also gonna bring you up in like significant ways like and also I do think like as we were saying with our teaser last week like share this podcast with a friend um if you want to learn more about South Asian culture and like in westernized situations like I, as someone who has lived that experience, I felt so close to this movie at the time that it came out. And I still do. Like, I just, I feel like it tells the story really, really well. Like, obviously I have different things that have happened in my life, but so many things that happened in that movie happened to me too. (laughs) And I think that it's just, it's a really beautiful and fun depiction of like 
what it is to be a first-generation South Asian living in a Western country. And it's cool because um, they also, they made a musical out of it. Yeah, oh my God. So I didn't actually read anything about it. Yeah, so in 2015, it opened in the West End. And uh, yeah, it was on, on there for nine months. Amazing. Um, all right, so we that's it for this week. We have a whole bunch of great content, though, coming up in the rest of this month and the rest of the year, really. We're really excited. We're going to be um, interviewing one of the cast members of Indian Match Mem- Matchmaking next week. So we're going to keep it a secret of who it is. We have a few interviews lined up, though, with some great characters from the show. So that will be great. Um, The week after that, we're going to do a whole episode dedicated to updates on Family Karma, the Bravo TV show, what's going on with the cast. And we have updates. (laughs) We have I try to put like a little like slang on it to just be like (laughs) emphasizing like it is just not updates. Yes. It's updates. We have updates. We have like a source. We have all this stuff. Um. And then can I reveal the last thing? We have a special yes. Halloween episode. Yay. I am so excited. Oh and my god. We are gonna cover, we'll announce it beforehand, but we're gonna cover um an Indian horror, horror movie <laughs> that I am petrified of the trailer. Actually, so it's I'm, called it's called Bulbul B-U-L-B-B-U-L, and it's on Netflix. I'm so scared. So like I'm so scared. I I hate okay, I I love scary movies cuz I actually think they're really fun and then I hate them afterwards because I can't sleep for like days. I know. So we're in it together, guys. We're in it together and girls. We might live watch that one. <laughs> like we might watch it and then comment on it on the podcast as it's playing. To make it a little less scary, but um, I know because I don't know if I can watch it alone. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna watch it in our own houses, but on the podcast. So, um, that's just like one of many things. We're reading books. We're gonna be talking to um a South Asian beauty expert brand starter in November, which is really exciting. Um, so many awesome things, and we're just really excited with this new start and hopefully you are too. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. I just want to say, follow us on the socials, uh, family karma cast on Twitter and Instagram. And we have a Patreon page that is going to be exploding with extra stuff. So follow us um, on Patreon. The Patreon is about to be lit on fire because they just released who they think the top 20, contestants are on Tasha's season of the bachelorette and we are going to be doing a cast rundown for the patreon page so if you're into that kind of thing we hope that you'll join us there um we're just so bring your rose yes, bring your rose bring your rose bring your rose and, your <laughs> and, and yes your rose and join us yes. and so we're really excited to uh go on this adventure and uh yeah hop on board with us Well, that's it from us. That's it from us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Oh, wait. Namaste, bitches. Namaste, bitches. (laughs)